praise his holy name. Um, as we prepare our hearts and our minds to worship, amen, if we just take a moment right now just to forget about ourselves and concentrate on him. May we adore him and exalt his holy name. Let us pray. Mighty God, we just thank you for allowing us this one more day in your presence. Uh, we thank you, God, that through it all, you are God, that you are high and exalted, you lift it high. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you sit high and you are concerned about us, Lord, your people. So, Father, bless us as we come before you in your presence, uh, that we lay all our burdens, all our issues down before you, that we forget about ourselves, Lord, and concentrate on you, that we may worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, for you are God alone, for you are high and exalted above all, all other gods, for there's none like you. So, Father, we ask you, forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Reveal to us, Lord, our secret faults that they may not have mastery over us, so that the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be accepted of the Lord, Lord in thy sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we see the worship of our awesome God this morning, amen, we want to encourage you to fellowship with him a little something like this.
Father, as we gather together in your presence, uh, Father, we are desperate for you to move in this space, move in our lives and move in our hearts. Lord, as we look forward to celebrating the season of Advent, Lord, the coming of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We look forward to him coming back again. And Father, we, we look forward to there be no more war. Uh, Lord, there be no more pain. There be no more suffering. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that there be the resurrection of life. We'll forever be with you. But with Lord, while we're on this earthly journey, oh, Father, we need you to walk with us. Protect us and guide us right now. And Father, we place our trust in you. For you are the everlasting Almighty God. You are our fortress. You are our wishful. And we thank you, God, that through you all things are possible. And so, Father, as we continue on to worship you, Lord, we just to hear a word from you. Speak, Lord, through your servant, Lord, and speak, Lord, through your children right now. Let me minister and encourage one another to walk in the admonition of you, Lord, and walk with your word hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you. Give us enlightenment, Lord, through your scripture. In Jesus Christ, name, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we see the worship of God for the reading of the scripture, we look in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Uh, we're going to look at verses 20 to verses 28. I'll be reading uh, from the New Living Translation, uh, found in our New Testament, 1 Corinthians, uh, 15th chapter, uh, verse 20 to verse 28. Uh, those who are able to stand in the reading of God's word, you're welcome to do so. Uh, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The word of God reads, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then will all things are under his authority. The Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Praise God for his word. Amen. Amen.
celebrates the end, uh, the, the coronation, if you will, and the, and the returning of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he comes with all power and authority. And so the reading of our text coming again from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 28, I'm just going to lift up again uh, verse 28, that last verse. The word of God says, then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Praise God for his word. As, as we're at the end of the little calendar, we're kind of looking forward to the advent, looking forward to the coming, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but also we're looking forward to him coming back again. And as we look forward of him coming back again, we know there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be forever hello and never goodbye. But yet, as we're looking forward, we must remember what he has done for us. Jesus will establish his kingdom, and he will reign for eternity. But before we understand about his, supreme, his supremacy and his reign and his authority, we must understand what he has done for us. This great gospel tells us about the Son of Man who died on the cross for our sins, that he defeated death and rose again from the grave on the third day, and now he's ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father in majesty. Tell your neighbor, that's the gospel. And so when we know this gospel, then how has this gospel impacted us that we live a life that brings glory and honor to our God? Then we understand that we must too, if we want to be alive in Christ, we must be dead to this world. 
this great gospel reminds us that we are to preach and proclaim this gospel each and every day of our lives. We're in this 15th chapter of Corinthians, coming from Paul's letter written to the church in Corinth. Verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 1 of, and, and verse 2 of this 15th chapter says this. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcome it then and still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. He's pointing out to them that my gospel is not in vain. My faith is not in vain. We believe in this truth, and it's true today as it was when Paul was preaching. And guess what's going to be preached? It's going to be preached and remain true no matter what happens to us because God's word remains. And so this gospel he's pointing out is this is our hope. Our hope is not built in vanity. Our hope is not built on something that is not firm foundation. But our hope is built on the firm foundation. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. So think about what we believe. This, confirm, this confirmation of our faith. This confession of our faith. That we believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ died. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe in the resurrection. We believe he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, it says that we're going to have a new life in Christ. Y'all with me here in verse 20? It says, but if, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. I, I like how Paul's pointing out to them. He's basically as if, as if he's having a debate with people who are not believing in the resurrection. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Let me highlight this to somebody to help you out. There might be people out there that may not believe in Christ. They're get ready to celebrate Christmas and they want to celebrate a, a man in a red suit. They want to celebrate a tree and they want to celebrate all these other things. But let them know that we celebrate a man born in a manger. A man that was came down 42 generations. A man that died on the cross for us. A man that defeated death and rose from the game. A man that is seated at the right hand of the Father that we know in fact he lives. Now, they can't prove you a fact about a man in a red suit. Come on, somebody. But we like to tell stories and tell these things, but I want to tell the truth. So when we're telling the truth, we're going to tell about a man that died for us. And now he wasn't just a man, but he was the man. But he was the son of man. He was the son of God. And he is God himself. We have this new life in Christ. We have this new life when we confess him as our personal Lord and Savior. When we confess him as our personal Lord and Savior, we believe that he died on the cross for our sins. Therefore, then what must we do? We must be dead to this world to be alive in Christ. Jesus shows us that he defeated the power of death. Verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, So if you see, just as death came into this world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Paul is pointing out this gospel that we know death because of sin. And sin came through one man, Adam. And Adam, if he's able to bring sin into the world, guess what? One man's able to take sin out of the world. And so here it is that Adam messed it up for everybody. Christ got it right for everybody. Aren't you glad that Jesus can get it right? And so we understand that if Jesus can do all of this for us, then it starts expanding the understanding about how great our God is. See, when you look through all the history of other gods, they would do nothing for men. But man must do everything for them. 
And then even when man does everything for them, God still be, those guys still, lowercase g, still look at them like, you're not worth my time. Well, yet God says, you are worth my time, that I will step in time. Y'all saw how that worked out there? <laughs> I will step, I exist outside of time, but I will step in time so that I can die for your glory, be to God. Jesus makes us right with God, with his life. That he became flesh, born of the manger. When we understand that he is the first fruits of the resurrection, pointing out that he's the first one to rise and never die again. This means that when he rose again, that those who are alive in him, those who are alive in him, means that we're dead to this world, but alive in him, that when he comes back again, those who die in Christ will rise with Christ. That, that's why when we are having funerals, and oftentimes we call them home goings because we're going home. Because Jesus says, in my Father's house is room with many men. So I go to prepare a place for you, so that when I come back there, you may be awesome. And so we're celebrating what God is doing in our lives, knowing that what he started now, he will complete when he comes back again. And so now let's look at this text is telling us again about how uh, Jesus is the first of the fruit of the resurrection. Verse 22 of Corinthians 15 chapter says, just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will what? Be given new life. But I like this part, Paul wants to make sure you don't miss this, but there is an order to this resurrection. Uh, Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he, what, comes back. Uh, there's an order here, and, and this order is basically pointing out that there is a sequence, there is an order, there is a way that this is being done. I also want to highlight here that you don't just get to heaven just because you want to be good. There's an order here. Yes, Jesus made it very clear that if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross. Notice he says this, that if you want to live for me, you've got to be dead to this world. You can't love your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, even your life more than you love me. That's why he says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your might and all your strength, then love your neighbor as yourself. You're not picking up what happened here. You are last. And what Christ is pointing out, that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He said, if you want to be great, then you will be last. In other words, you will esteem others above yourself. Well, there's no one greater than God. So when you esteem him and then you get all his creation, then you have humbled and submitted yourself under his authority. You've got to realize to carry your own cross and to follow him. If you cannot do this, then you cannot be his disciple. If you cannot be his disciple, then you have not died for him, that you are living for him. We must truly deny ourselves and pick up our life. So what Paul is pointing out here is that a holy life is a life that's dedicated and looking to serve God. We cannot be pleasing our flesh, pleasing what we want and think is okay and trying to line it up when it does not line up with God. Here's how the God will help you out because he's given us the Holy Spirit. And the times he gets convicted... That's the time you've been reminded by the Holy Spirit that you know that wasn't right. Well, we do, when the time we start feeling guilty, that's the Holy Spirit reminding us that you know you were not right. 
And that's when we need to confess, that's when we need to repent and turn back to God. Because God desires for us not to perish, but repent and know everlasting life. So living for Christ means we are dead to this world. Jesus made it very clear that though we are, he prayed for us, is that they are in this world, but they are not of this world. He prayed that we will be one with him. So let us be one with him. Let us not be of this world, but let us be of Christ. But we are in this world. And realize that we have victory in Christ because he has victory over death. But yet, notice that our ultimate victory is going to come when he comes back again. I want to, I want to encourage you that um, we are in uh, college football season. And some of you might have been like me. You might have watched some of the football games over the weekend, some of the championship games. And, and so they're basically all winning right now to be the ultimate winner. So you have some teams that are undefeated right now. And they're, they're self-proclaimed champions, but they're, they're not champions. They're not champions until they get the crown. And they don't get the crown until they defeat everybody that's before them. And they're waiting. That's not going to happen until the next calendar year. And so they're waiting until the next calendar year to get their full victory. But they feel like champions right now because they beat their rivals. They won the championship. Now they're going through the championship game. What I'm highlighting here is that we have won already. But we're not fully crowned yet. You understand that? We have already won because Christ has given us victory over death. But yet we understand that our body still will perish. But yet we know that we'll rise again. And we know we'll get our full victory when he crowns us. Y'all missed it. When we get into glory, we'll be rewarded our crown in heaven. And so we're waiting for him to come back again. And so I waiting for him to come back in. We don't give up playing. We don't keep on fighting to win. Because we want to keep that good record. And here it is as we're still wrestling. Dealing with this world, we understand that Jesus has already victory over all authority. Look, look closely within the text. Y'all stay with me. Look at verse 24. After the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Y'all see there that all authority belongs to him. Christ has defeated all enemies. Here's what I want to highlight for us that I'm saying how we'll keep on running in this victory. For our weapons are not carnal, but the mighty and the power of the Lord. Able to tear down strongholds and beat them in subjection and obedience of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul gets excited telling his people when he wrote to the church of Ephesus, right? Put on the whole armor of God. Stand in his power and in his mind, putting on the whole armor of God. But Paul did not come up with this idea by himself because when Peter was being taught by Jesus, he let him know that upon this rock I will build my church. That the gates of hell shall not prevail. He's pointing out that what God has established, the enemy cannot be defeated. I'm sorry, the enemy cannot defeat because we have already have victory through Jesus. That's why you notice this, it says under his feet. Uh, you go back in Genesis, it says that uh, the heel will crush the serpents, but it will bruise his heel. But notice it's under his feet. Y'all missed it. <laughs> See, when it's under his feet means it has been defeated, has been subjected, and that it has, has no authority or any power. 
That's why when we say the enemy is under our feet, meaning he has no power, he has no authority, and that's where he is. Uh, I heard Bishop Joe Johnson say the enemy should not be riding your back, but he should be riding your heel. <laughs> we should realize that we have power and authority, that the enemy becomes our footstool, that he just helps us to get higher, not to get us low. And so we understand that we got power that we can, through the Holy Spirit, defeat any enemy that comes against us. Because where does he that's in us? Than he that's in the world. There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. See, when we're standing in the power of God's might, that's why I like Psalm 27 tells us that the Lord is my light and my sight. Whom shall I fear? Though my enemies camp around me, they shall stumble and they shall fall. When we understand that our God is our, is our fortress, is our strength, is our help, there's nothing for us to fear. Because look closer here. The enemy wants us to be fearful of death, but death has been defeated. Look closer in the text. What's the last enemy defeated? Death. Amen. Looking at this text, is is it's very rare to ever think of death as the enemy. But yet, it makes it very clear that the death is the enemy. Yes, sir. See, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And and basically, death means to be separated from God. Uh, death here means basically eternal separation. That means that you will not be in his glory, you will not be in his presence, but you'll be eternal fire when the gnashing of teeth or pain will, will continue to torment your body until, until eternity. And you know eternity does not end. But yet those who know Christ will not have pain and suffering. Probably no more pain. No more suffering. He wipes every tear from your eye and will be rejoicing forever in his presence. And so knowing this, that death. And so here's the thing about think about how people want to change their lives when they're on the deathbed. All of a sudden somebody wants to know Jesus when they're about to die. Because death is the enemy. It's oftentimes when we get when we're in face with the enemy that we start to realize what really matters most. We hear the saying, right, my life flashed before me. When this people's life flashed before them. When they're about to die or they fear they face a near death experience. Let me encourage us that when we know Christ, it helps us to face those near death experiences with a little bit more hope. To know that this is not the end. See, sometimes when we are looking at death, we're looking at, can I live my best life now? Now I know my best life is ahead of me. I was at a few more witnesses here. See, when we get caught up living in this world, you're going to have your kings and your queens now, but yet you won't be anything else because notice what the text says. It says every king and king will be subjected to him. I don't know about you. I don't want to be defeated by God, but I want to be exalted by God. <laughs> he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so those who are already in him are serving him and are waiting to be resurrected with him. But those who are fighting against him, who are opposed to him, will be defeated by him. Look what it says. After the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. You can surrender to him and you can submit to him or you'll be defeated by him. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
This is echoed in Psalm 110. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool unto your feet. Uh, this song in the times of past in the Old Testament was believed to be uh, God and the kings talking. But here now we see Jesus as has been elevated as, as the one that is speaking. And he is the one that is subjecting everything under his feet. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So here it is that Christ has been exalted and seen the right hand of the Father and all things have been subjected and under his feet. That's why we see it echoed again in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, for the scripture says, y'all see that there? It says for the scripture, so it's referencing, it's scripture, for the scripture says, God has put all things under his feet. Authority under his feet, under his subjection. And so we're seeing here is being echoed that what was been told has been fulfilled in this New Testament. What I want to highlight here, the gospel is from Genesis to Revelation. The gospel is being foretold of God sending his son for our salvation. We know this that in Matthew. As we get ready to celebrate the Advent, we'll look into it. It says in uh, the generation of David, from Abraham to David. And it says 42 generations from Abraham to David to Jesus. And, and notice how it starts with Abraham, because Abraham is the father of their faith. Yes, sir. And, and then David is the lineage and the Masonic line. And David is the one that God made his promise, your line shall never end. And Jesus is born of the lineage of David, and he is the son of God that fulfills the promise that he told those thousand years to David. And this promise is still being fulfilled to this very day because God's word mm, does not end. It is continuation. And that's why we see here that he was going to bring all things that God who has begun a good work will complete until the day of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 27, back in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority, of course, when it says all things under his authority, that it does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then he will all things are under his authority. The son will put himself under God's authority, so that God who gave his son authority of all things, he will utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Notice that God, Jesus will be supreme over what? Everything and everywhere. What does it mean to be at his feet? We can sit under his feet in total adoration and worship. Jesus calls us to sit under his teaching for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We can participate in worshiping the Lord now and continue when he comes back again. And we can join the chorus of the, of the angels and the four creatures and the 24 elders who cast down their crowns before him and tell him he is worthy of it all. He is worthy because he is the king of kings. He is the lamb that has been slain. He is the resurrected one. And the gospel tells us that God will establish his throne in David forever. 2 Samuel 7.13 says, He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I'll secure his royal throne forever. Matthew 101, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Jesus 
God in the flesh. Matthew 1, 23 says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus tells us of his suffering as the son of man. The son of man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. So the gospel has been telling us, pointing to this moment in time, that a man will come born of God, born of the Virgin Mary, of the lineage of David. And then when he walked the earth and they beheld him and they saw him, he let them know that the Son of Man will be betrayed, but he will be crucified. But catch this, he will die, but on the third day he will rise again. And when Jesus is raised from the dead, he will be supreme. And rule forever with God the Father. The love of our Lord Jesus is so amazing that he went through all of this for us. Matter of fact, the great hymn in 2 Philippians 5th chapter says that though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery. That he would empty himself and be made in the form of man. That, that he came in the form of a slave. That he was obedient even to death on the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him, giving him the name above every other name. Notice the exaltation came after his humiliation. After he humbled himself and died on the cross. Not for his sins, but for our sins. This means that we talk about substitutionary atonement. That God took our place on the cross. That should have been us on the cross. That should have been us with nails in our hands. That should have been us with scores and whips. But he took on our chastisement. He took on our punishment. Matter of fact, he took on our death. Because you know when he died, he was forsaken. He took on the punishment of hell for us. And we don't know what it means to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's why we can quote the psalm. David says, I've never seen your seed, your bread, your seed forsaken, your bread, begging for bread. That we understand that our God will never leave us nor forsake us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, he is exalted. He is high and lifted up. And we're waiting for him to come back again in celebrations, coronation. Think about how we celebrate coronations in this world. Uh, we celebrate our prom kings and homecoming queens. And we, we celebrate all kinds of things, right? We have praise and we crown people and we celebrate them all the time. But yet, this is going to be the greatest celebration of all time. When the trumpet blasts and we see him. And in the twinkling eye, we all shall be changed and to be made like him. And we'll see a new heaven, a new earth coming out of the sky. And so just think about how you get excited, excited when your child gets their crown and gets their tiara, or your son becomes homecoming queen or prom king, and you, you get excited about that. Imagine what it's going to be like when we see Jesus. There'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering. And so we're in anticipation of him coming back again. So I'm saying this as we look forward to celebrating his advent. And we celebrate his birth. Remember that he came with a purpose in mind. That he came to take on our pain. He came to take on our suffering. He came to take on our chastisement. So that we might have victory 
that we might know victory through him, that we might know the power through him, and know that the last enemy is death. I want to emphasize this because there's a saying still popular about how YOLO, you only live once. Well, you can die twice. If one death is not good enough, you can die twice. It says this death is the final enemy. And I want you to know that if you look in Revelation, when he throws death into the abyss, he says that's the second death. And those who celebrate the second death are the ones whose names are not in the Lamb's book of life. So if you want your name in the Lamb's book of life, well, you must ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's what they ask and ask. And, and this is what Peter told him. He says, repent and be baptized and live for the Lord. And so when we repent and we get baptized and live for the Lord, that means I'm no longer living for myself. But I'm living for the one who died for me. The one who set me free. The one who paid all my penalties. The, the one that washed me white as snow. The one that set me free. I'm living for the one that's seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. The one where they said that all the kings and the angels and the four creatures and the 24 elders cast their crowns before him. And they say, you are worthy of it all. So are we living for him? Are we waiting for him to come back again? The challenge is that let us not lose focus. That he is alive. And he's coming back again. And we want to be ready. So don't give up. Don't give in. Though we're living in a time of pain and suffering. But remember that death has been defeated. So don't get caught up with the lies of the enemy. Jesus is real. He is risen. And he's coming back again. So let us look with anticipation of delivery that is coming. Let us, let us look to him and thank God for that we all have some loved ones that have gone on before us. Yes, sir. To know to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Let us be reminded that in Christ we have life that does not end. Let us remind ourselves that Christ is the king. And we will forever serve him because he's coming back again and will be forever with our king. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you that you are exalted, that you are king, and you are Lord. Forgive us, God, for times we made it about ourselves, that we have humbled ourselves to your kingdom, to your authority. But Lord, we realize that everything will be subject to you because, Lord, you are exalted. You are Lord all by yourself. And so, Father, right now, uh, reveal to us, Lord, our secret faults, oh God. Show us, oh God, how we can surrender right now into you. Uh, God, forgive us for our willful sins, oh God. We repent to you right now, God. Have mercy. Have mercy on us, oh Lord. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and just to cleanse of all the righteousness as we confess unto you. So, Father, we confess to you right now. Forgive us, oh God. Have mercy, O oh God. And Lord, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
Lord, I pray that they get faith today. They have confessed with their mouth. We the heart that you are Lord. And Lord, we thank you all who call in the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, there may be someone here looking for a church home. Lord, we invite them to come to join this place of fellowship where we can disciple them and baptize them and help them continue to walk and grow in fellowship and community of the saints. Father, Lord, there might be someone listening. Lord, I pray you guide them and direct them to find that local church uh, that they can grow and be discipled and worship and fellowship in the communion of the saints. And so, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that, Lord, you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord, that you have begun to do work in us for completing until the coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, Father, bless us that we want to be faithful unto the end. And here, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. 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 As we continue on the worship we pray to give God his tithes and our offering, and also that might be you today that you could confess Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Think what must I do to be saved? We've been looking for a church home. Uh, as we may march around to give God his tithes and our offering, as you, you want to march around and say, What must I do? We welcome you uh, to talk to one of the deacons and the minister. We have to share with you how you can join this place and worship. Let's prepare to pray to get to give God his tithes and offering. Mighty God, we give that to you. For all it belongs to you. Uh, we thank you, Father, that we can never outgive you. We thank you, God, that you blessed us. And Father, yes, you bless us. It's exactly to get that now. We thank you, Lord, you supply our every need. Not God bless us, but by angels, but it's given for the good of your kingdom.
few announcements in weeks to come. Uh, first, we'll have an announcement from Essie Ellis. Uh, she will come forward uh, to share about uh, uh, coming for this month in December. And, and as she's coming forward, I'll share that on this uh, Saturday, Zion's going to host for us building uh, uh, communities. And want to share that those who are able to come uh, 9 to 2, I'm sorry, 9 to 12 on December 2nd. Uh, basically, when the training will center around three central topics uh, relational power, what, is, what it is and how the work and array of citizen groups can organize, production, examine how organized relational power can be aimed to produce tangible results to rebuild community, and then public action relational tools that can prepare us to build relational power to public action. This will be led by Richard Townsville, Executive Director of North Lawndale Christian Development Corporation and Active Leader of United Power, and Amy Lawless, uh, who is uh, Amy Lawless Ayala, Leader Organization Supervisor with Illinois IF Affiliates, and they will come and share with us uh, Friday, I'm sorry, Saturday at uh, Zion from 92. I'm sorry, 9 to 12, 9, uh, December 2nd from 9 to noon uh, that Saturday. So we're looking forward to those who come out a little about community organizing and how we can have boards and services. And so I have Sister Essie come forward uh, with her announcement. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to remind the family, you know, that here the youth Amen. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, so those that come on Monday to help decorate the 
church would greatly appreciate that. And then, yeah, definitely continue to reach out to our youth and children, amen. If I can come on now, uh, join us in Zion. <clears throat> we're going to say that we're back and having Bible study this Wednesday. Uh, also, today's the last uh, Sunday of November. We want to ask for all those budget be submitted today <clears throat> so we get prepared for our, our 2024 budget. So thank you to the men's opportunities to submit their budgets thus far. So make sure you have not. Please submit that in to us as soon as possible uh, this uh, last few days of November. And then also we encourage everybody to join us for Sunday school. This, and as she says, we do have Sunday school every morning and Sunday, sorry, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Our Sunday school is for everybody. So you're welcome to join us to help out. And also want to remind again uh, that we're encouraging volunteers uh, for, for the 2023 Salvation Army Volunteer Opportunities. And so uh, upcoming is the, uh, the Civic Center Christmas dinners. Uh, to be served and, um, and uh, distributing of toys. And so if you're looking at joining with that, please uh, see Sister uh, Rosemary continue to follow us up with us. Those will be available on those dates are Friday, December 15th, uh, 40 to 9 p.m. And then on Tuesday, December 19th, I'm sorry, Monday, December 18th, and Tuesday, December 19th, opportunities for services and communities to come out to help us serve. Then also to preparing for our sweetheart gala. Our ancient annual sweetheart gala is coming up in February, and tickets are on sale, $70 per couple. Um, Pastor Ty Tyson Parks from Bethany United Methodist Church will be our guest speaker, and we are um, looking forward to those joining us on that Saturday, February 10th, um, and we're looking forward for you to join us. And so those who are interested to join the sweetheart gala, please uh, contact uh, Zion. Uh, our email Zion at ZionBCPoria.com. Those who are interested to join the Sweetheart Gala, and then make sure we get you the necessary information. Amen. And let us stand as we prepare for the benediction.